0: Love Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Have you ever wondered how well-suited you are for ethical non-monogamy? Well, you can find out by taking my quiz. And you can find the quiz right on the homepage of my website, sumatisparks.com. That's S as in Sam, U, M as in Mary, A, T as in Tom, I. Sparks, as in sparks are flying, sumatinsparks.com. And when you enter your email, you'll be added to my mailing list as well, and you'll be the first to learn about both my online events as well as my live events in the San Francisco Bay Area. So tonight I'm really excited to have as my guests, Shai and Leah. They are relationship freedom advocates and mentors who lead a thriving Facebook community called Leveled Up Love. This group is focused on sacred sexuality and conscious communication for ethically non-monogamous relationships. Their newest passion project, which they'll tell us about a little bit later, is, uh, is coming up, and um, their mission is to help everyone have the best chance to not just survive, but to thrive in their open relationships. So welcome to the show, Shai and Leah.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: You're so welcome. So, yeah, I've been seeing you guys on um, social media and excited about the impact that you're making and the community you're building, and I was really happy to interview you and learn more about you and kind of a little bit more of your personal journeys. So if you wouldn't mind kind of starting there with a little bit more of kind of your own story and how you came to be. You know, like there's no school that you go to to become an open relationship mentor. So it's clearly the school of life. So I'd kind of like to hear a little bit about your journeys from monogamy to open relating,
1: if each of you are willing to share that. Sure, sure. Uh, with Leah's permission, I'll go first. Sure thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I did monogamy. I did it quite well for about 19 years. And all along had some questions questions. Um, some confusion. I would even call it a deep confusion within my soul, trying to figure out why everything on paper seemed fine. You know, my ex-wife and I had a great relationship. We were safe and respected by each other, and we had a great love relationship. But something was always missing for me. I couldn't quite articulate it for 19 years, but I had just so many different moments of just wanting to love more, wanted to, wanting to serve more and felt uh, constrained. So um, then we kind of bumped into some shows. Uh, one, one show in particular was uh, I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, Big love on HBO. Mm-hmm. Right. And, then, and, and then another one, which by the way is uh, polygamy, not polyamory, but it was still an, an inspiration. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, polyamory married and dating was another show and that just opened up kind of like a huge, um, desire to learn more. And then I started devouring some books like shameless and mating in captivity and so on and so forth. So I just read all these books. Um, and like sex at dawn is my favorite by the way. And Mm -hmm. I just, um, decided that it was important to share that with my ex-wife and after literally years of discussion uh, we opened up our relationship and I wish I had known then what I know now because clearly Mm -hmm. like you said nobody teaches you how to do this and you just don't Mm -hmm. know what's around the corner and I and I didn't despite picking up all the books despite picking up all the material so went into it, been practicing um, for about five years after my separation from my ex-wife and um, just kept learning and learning and learning like you said in the open relationship school of hard Knocks and just <laughs> uh, when I met Leah, when I met Leah about um, three and a half years ago, she's a bit of a, of a, of a life hacker, biohacker relationship hacker, you name it. And she just helped me gain so many important perspectives in, um, mm. in, in in terms of the psychological frameworks that we needed that I needed to be aware of in practicing open relationships. And we've gathered so many tools and so many um, just treasures that you know we're just excited to share it with the world. And, and that was uh, that's essentially uh, the, the simple short story. <laughs>
0: Cool. Well, I'll dig into that more, but let's have Leah talk a little bit about her story first.
2: Sure thing. Thank you. So I was also monogamous in multiple relationships throughout my life and was married for 12 years. But throughout all of my relationships, I can say that I was drawn to other people and thought that something was wrong with me. And I carried a lot of guilt and shame around that So ultimately my ex and I had a lot of intimacy struggles as well as chronic health issues on my side. And we separated in about three weeks, three Mm -hmm. or four weeks after I separated, I took a plant medicine journey and then met shy about two days later. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I thought it was, I thought it was going to be just a cute little experiment. I, um, I knew that the freedom appealed to me, and I also knew that I am one of the most possessive um, people that I've met. So I thought, this is also going to be an interesting (laughs) journey. And I thought it would just be something to try out, and it ended up being the deepest and most rewarding and the most challenging journey I've had into love um, because it's forced me to understand Everything about my past, traumas, my programming, and the skill set, as Shai mentioned, you know, his Bible is Sex at Dawn. And and those books were really helpful for cognitively understanding the philosophy of how we're built. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. my Bibles are actually Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza Mm -hmm. and Attached. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm not sure if his name is. Yes, exactly. Those were those were actually more important for me in understanding the dynamics because at some point I wondered, you know, does this get easier? And when I realized there were blind spots understanding myself was the key. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. Well,
0: thank you for that. So, wouldn't you say that yeah, it's it's kind of a, a little bit traditional masculine feminine where um shy kind of needed to understand kind of on intellectual level and like gain new perspectives. And Leah needed to manage emotion, emotional health and be able Mm -hmm. to navigate the emotions of, of open relationships. So um, can you just share with us, Leah, like one or two emotional kind of shifts that you were able to have from the studies that you'd done, the books that you'd read?
2: Absolutely. So In particular with attachment theory, which I recommend for anybody to understand what their attachment style is, no matter what relationship style they're in, the two biggest shifts I understood were that there were two underlying belief systems that were conflicting with our lifestyle. No matter how much shy came home and loved me up and it would temporarily soothe, the two foundations were thinking that I was too needy and clingy and there must be something wrong with me. So I hid a lot of it from him Mm -hmm. and didn't express Mm -hmm. myself. And what attached really helps you understand is that there are no needy people. There are just people you just have needs and you have partners willing and capable to meet them or not. Mm. So that was a huge shift because this was the first time I really allowed shy. I had to get really vulnerable and allow shy to hear what I really needed, which at times mm-hmm. felt silly to me. But he was mm-hmm. thrilled to be able to step up because I was finally mm-hmm. communicating. Nice. And the other piece, big shift, was when I went off to explore on my own, I was afraid he wouldn't be waiting for me when I got back because of some mm-hmm. formative experiences that I've had. And that's another mm-hmm. key sign of an anxiously attached person is that you're afraid to explore the world on your own because your Mm -hmm. secure base won't be waiting for you. So Mm -hmm. those are pretty big game changers.
0: Cool. Thank you for that. Um, You know, when you're talking about being like you're kind of ashamed or afraid to share how needy you were and you you judged yourself for being too needy. Um, I have a a system for people um, transforming jealousy into love and one of the one of the the main points and concepts is 100% self-love and acceptance, because we do Mm. tend to do that, especially as polyamorous people, we want to be more evolved than we are. And so it's really hard for us to just simply accept where we are in our journey and speak that. It's so difficult. So congratulations for, for really understanding that and, and getting to actually practice it in your relationship. Now it's really powerful.
2: I appreciate that. That's a journey. I'm still much harder on myself than Shai is. <laughs> so,
0: exactly. <laughs> a reminder, it's <laughs> right? Helpful.
2: Right. And do you feel
0: so? Let's uh, let's have Shai maybe answer this question. Um, so, because um, you were able to be there for Leah and really give her the needs that she was asking to be met. Um, do you feel, and as a relation, as an open relationship mentor, do you feel that a primary partnership is necessary for anxiously attached people to get those needs met? Do you feel like um, people need that for a while until they heal that? Um, because there's this whole movement of solo polyamory and relationship anarchy, where there's no hierarchy. So, how do you feel about that whole hierarchy question?
1: It's, it's an interesting question. That's one of those that I can't answer. Um, I just don't know what I don't know. Uh, It depends on the Mm -hmm. person, depends on the amount of work they're willing to do. Um, For Mm -hmm. example, Leah is anxious attached but super, you know, interested and committed to doing the deep, deep work. So we've been Mm -hmm. in a – I've been in a relationship with Chrissy and Leah, and we've actually been together for close to three years and living mm-hmm. together for two of those three years, so we've I've had two primary relationships, and mm. for an anxious attached person, that, that is a lot of work, and mm-hmm. we've we've navigated through some some tough times, but also can say that the net is really a lot of love and a lot of joy and, and a great relationship between the three of us. So mm-hmm. it's really difficult to tell. It's it, 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 there are so many variables, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So when you're working with clients, like, um, do you recommend that people exploring open relationship for their first time use the primary partnership model, or does it just depend on what, how they're showing up, what kind of relationships they're showing up with and what they're wanting?
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. One of the things that I always lean on are the six core human needs. So Mm -hmm. depending on, that's about Tony Robbins, six core human needs. Um, mm-hmm. it depends on how people are, um, what they're needing, right? Uh, do they lean more towards certainty in a big way or do they lean more towards variety? Uh, do they regard, you know, so you kind of like overlay what do they lead with in terms of six core human mm-hmm. needs? Um,
2: mm-hmm. And then
1: you, you obviously over- overlay their attachment styles and then um, mm-hmm. you start to put together kind of a, a bit of a, of a game plan for each person. Mm-hmm. I know that, mm-hmm. that I, I, would, I would love to, for there to be progression. If somebody's is really, um, you know, insecure and anxious attached, I wouldn't say that, you know, going out there and having three primary relationships and being a part of that is healthy. I think you should mm-hmm. start off, you know, with secondary and tertiary relationships maybe and, and move a bit slower. Um, Mm -hmm, I I made mm -hmm. the mistake of just jumping into multiple primary relationships at the same time, like out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. a lesson that I had to learn. Mm -hmm. I'd love to weigh in on that
2: as well. Yeah, go ahead. If I may. So knowing myself, even though I have a need for variety, which is why this lifestyle works for me, I also have a need for consistency. A base. Mm-hmm. And for me, a partnership, you know, we have children. So a consistent partnership um, that feels grounded is what works mm-hmm. best for me. So, mm-hmm. anarchy and solo poly, I don't believe would work for me long term unless I was mm-hmm. starting single. But, I, but, like, as Shai mentioned, um, there's a quiz people can take the six core, your driving force human needs by Tony Robbins. When you understand what your core driving force needs are, you can start to assess them against the different spectrum of open relating and see what might feel right. Cool, that's a great tip. Thank you, I hadn't heard about that.
0: Cool. Um, Yeah, it really is quite individual, isn't it? I mean, it really depends on where people (laughs) are in their journey and also just all the other factors that make, make up us as unique human beings. And that's what's so cool about this is that we get to choose, you know, we get to choose the relationship style that works mm-hmm. best for us and tweak it over time. So, so back to Shai, um, when you said that, you know, you had read books and watched TVs and watched TV shows and you still ran into, you know, potholes and roadblocks and still kind of had a hard time. So um, that just kind of tells us that it's a lot harder than we think and we usually need some kind of a guide um, so, can you share with us a couple of the the biggest lessons that you learned that you now kind of show your clients to help them from making the same mistakes?
1: Sure, it's a great question. it's a bit of a loaded question because there's so many things to choose from. but I think the biggest one is communication <laughs> right if if you it's like the first tool is communication, and so is the second and the third because <laughs> what I did realize as I, as Leah was collecting all of these emotional and psychological frameworks, the guy in me was putting together a toolbox of communication tools. And Mm -hmm. I'd say that the biggest thing to share is that I essentially took NVC, nonviolent communication and mixed it Mm -hmm. with some Imago and sprinkled some NLP and some Dale Carnegie in there and just came up with our own kind of homegrown um, blueprint or communicating about, you know, our, through our journey, through the conflict uh, and just shifting our conflict into serenity. So it doesn't become traumatizing. Uh, We were Mm -hmm. able to lean into some pretty, you know, challenging conversations, but come out faster, uh, more connected uh, and more aligned. So yeah, I can share later on maybe a little bit more about the blueprint, uh, but but it's called Spark, and that's what what I I would say is that communication is really everything, and how you go about handling these sensitive and delicate conversations is really mission critical.
0: Mhm. Right. Yeah, it's true. I, I've heard so many people say that. One person I interviewed said, "I'm just a one-trick pony. All I teach is communication." <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And it's all the
1: tricks. <laughs> <laughs> all the tricks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. yeah. So, to um, so Leah, you talked about being one of the most possessive people you've ever met. So how have you ever met? So how have you managed to, you know, soften that enough to be able to um, have a triad that you're in now?
2: Yeah, it was definitely a journey and still is and learning as much as I have around, the programming that I came in with has been really helpful to see it for what it is and decide whether I want to continue that storyline or not. So Uh the first thing that made a big difference for me was meeting her and vibing Uh with her because Uh there's this element that we call when you don't meet the metamor or the other lover, um, we call it the boogeyman and the boogeywoman syndrome because Uh yes, For me, until I meet a lover, a new person, they're a collection of all the best attributes that I don't have (laughs) without any of the negative flaws that I have. (laughs) So, you know, there's sort of this looming shadow of, of my own shadow work. And once I meet them, not only do I see that they're a real human being with their own fears, you know, they're having their own process. A lot of the people we've engaged with are new to this, but when I'm able to be vulnerable with that person, show them my heart and my little girl, you know a really beautiful exchange happens where the sisterhood I've experienced, especially with Chrissy, where we are we don't exactly have a romantic relationship, but we have uh-huh. the most sweet, nurturing relationship two women can have without that. Uh-huh. And in a way, I feel she's as committed to me. <laughs> she is to shy, even though we're more on the platonic spectrum. Um, right. But she's the most important woman in my life. It's, it's shown me that love can be about more than sex and romance. It's about support and partnership. Really. Yeah. Yeah,
0: thank you for that. That's beautiful. I've learned that, too, over the years, that, you know, if I take the extra time and effort to befriend my metamors and develop as close of a sisterly relationship with them as they are willing to, um, then mm-hmm. we can get to a point where we're we're like. Kind of sharing our partner, like, Oh no, you take him for this holiday, you need him more,, you yeah. know? as opposed to like competing for it, we're like being generous and right. like giving each other time with the other person because mm. we care about them so awesome. much, so it really makes a difference yeah. when we make that deep connection, and some women aren't willing to do that, they're not you know interested in that, and I, I can't help I can't control that, but yeah and I prefer those kinds of relationships where I can do that, I prefer the the lean in or they call the kitchen table polyamory where we really just create poly family yeah
1: mm. so do yeah, you have we, we other actually, lovers if outside
0: I, of your triad
1: yeah and and we do and if I could chime in on that last point because it's, yes. it's tied to this question Um mm-hmm. so I, I've tra- I've traversed it all and experimented with the entire spectrum from monogamy to monogamous to a second uh, at a swing club and then. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. polyamory and then this kitchen table integrated style of polyamory Mm -hmm. so it feels like even with Leah when we first started we were more you know we were not not kitchen table and um, you know we were each starting different relationships and going out on dates with different people and we weren't integrated and now we're where you are where it's not even a preference it's almost like a i don't want to say that it's a non starter yet, but I'd say that we heavily look for that box to be checked if if somebody mm-hmm. that we're interested in is not interested in uh, meeting our partner uh, and, mm-hmm. and 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 di- even diving in a little deeper we're ten we're, we're like ninety nine percent not interested in that person and, and, and right. not interested in anything more than a friendship um, mm-hmm. and we also call it like loving the world together together and integrating uh New romantic interest as much as we possibly can, um, right. because that's um, been really working for us, especially in the last year or so. I feel like it's really that commitment um, to doing it that way has really made things a lot easier.
2: Mhm. Yeah.
0: yeah, I agree. Go ahead, Leah.
2: I was going to say, for me, I, I don't want. I'm trying to have as few deal breakers and non starters as possible when I meet people. And I would mm-hmm. say that if I meet a man, for example, there isn't anything that attracts me more or turns me on more than someone who wants to engage with Shy and meet him and get to know him and, you know, mm. understand his journey. It's, it's in, insanely arousing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. for me because My family is being seen by this person, and that's what I want for him, you know.
0: Awesome, that's beautiful. Um, so, any other um, challenges that you want to share before we go into some of the good stuff?
1: <laughs> challenges. I mean, it's just the challenges, challenges that, are a the bit challenges
0: that you've overcome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're a bit in the in the rear view, further back. Let me think for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, generally speaking the challenges I recognize now were created by me and with other mm-hmm. partners and with Leah. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a nickname that I'm trying to <laughs> shed myself of called shy speed,
2: because, mm-hmm. you know,
1: when I do meet someone, I've always had this, Oh my, they're interested in poly. Let me do whatever it takes to move quickly to kind of like deepen the connection because we've got a high quality, I've got a high quality person. I really want to would love for them to meet the family. And I just moved fast, fast, fast. I remember one time mm-hmm. I had met someone and within a week asked them to come on a, on a family vacation.
2: And mm-hmm.
1: not with me, <laughs> not, not, not with Leo, but that was, that was way back when I was a baby. That was like, mm-hmm. you know, many years ago. And um, mm-hmm. now I think that that was, that was challenging, right? Like just moving too fast for my partner, you know, anxious, attached or mm-hmm. not. Sometimes you just, your intentions are good but There has to be some sacrifice in how how you um, <clears throat> how you pace yourself, so yeah, we've had some of those challenges.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I, I find that if you have to just decide, you know if you really love somebody and you, not necessarily that you love them, because you can love someone and not be compatible in your lives your lives may not mesh together, but if you really want to be with someone you're committed to Mm -hmm. making that relationship work, shy of any abuse or anything, then sometimes you have to go (laughs) at their pace and it may not be as fast as your pace. Um, It may not be ideally what you want, but as long as you feel like they're trying, I often use the, and now it's a gross analogy, but the analogy of, of the couch surfer. So like, let's say that a friend of yours has lost their job or their house burned down or something and they're staying on your couch Mm -hmm. and, you would let them stay there for a while and recover from their trauma. But then, you know, in a certain amount of time, a few weeks, you'd want to see them like starting to look for a place to live and look for a job. And Mm -hmm. they're just laying there smoking pot and scrolling Facebook. You'd be like, "Um, okay, your time's up here. So similarly, like we want to see our partner, like at least trying not pushing their edge so far that they're re-traumatizing themselves, but you know, that they're trying, that they're doing the work that they're, trying to move a little faster, you know, to, to meet you halfway. So, um, so that's an analogy I often use. It's kind of gross, but it's, (laughs) Mm. it's uh, it kind of reminds us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So did, did either of you have, you know, have to kind of slow down for the other at any point?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's something that actually just recently I, I made a conscious decision to, to slow down and not, you know, take a certain trip that I wanted to take. and um, yeah, so we, I, I've, I've learned to definitely slow slow down um, and find that and strike strike that balance um, for sure. And mm-hmm. you know,
2: what I'd like to add is what I learned in this research process is there's a real psychology behind change for human beings, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. when you're living together with someone and your life is a certain mm-hmm. way. Obviously, you have to embrace uncertainty to some degree to make this work. But what I found really helpful was Franklin bow who wrote um, more than two.
0: Mm-hmm. He
2: compared um, couples privilege where other people's needs just don't matter, and people there's mm-hmm. veto power. and those were mm-hmm. dynamics I was really uncomfortable with when I, the mm-hmm. idea of them when I came in. And what he talks about is instead of a privilege, looking at the relationship as an investment, you know, not mm-hmm. being like, well, I'm going to do me and I'm going to have fun. So you, you do whatever. That's not how we look at it. We don't marginalize mm-hmm. people. Um, we mm-hmm. honor their needs. Everyone has a seat at the table. And we do look mm-hmm. at our foundation as an investment worth protecting with intentions that feel good to us.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Beautiful, well put
0: So if you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio And this is your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at SumatiSparks.com And we're speaking with Shai and Leah Who are um, relationship freedom advocates and open relationship mentors And um, tell us a little bit more about your uh, Leveled Up Love community And how that all got started and what you're learning from that Oh, and before I before you go on yeah. with that, go ahead. yeah, before you go on with that, I just want to remind the listeners that this would be a good time if you have any questions for Shai and Leah to call us at 657-383-1132, 657-383-1132, and you won't interrupt us; you'll be put on hold, and we'll take your call at the right time. So feel free to call in if you have any questions for them. So take it away, Shai. <laughs>
1: Thanks, thanks. I actually, uh, we promoted you in our Facebook group, which (laughs) is what I'm going to talk about. So hopefully, a couple of our members will call in. But we, um, yeah, we were we were out there. I've been out there in different Facebook groups. And there's different flavors of open relationship and polyamory groups out there. Um, A variety of personalities, a mix of, you know, uh, kind of like you've got the swingers. No judgment at all. You've got the anarchist, like you said, no judgment at all. You've got the kitchen table, Polly. And sometimes it felt like it wasn't a perfect match. So I was inspired um, just to start our own group. And it started mm-hmm. off pretty small, um, but it, it caught some traction. And now we've got this group called Leveled Up Love. Um, it's easy to find. Just uh, Leveled Up Love is a, a group search on Facebook. And mm-hmm. we've got over 2,600 members from over 85 countries. I don't know the exact Ooh. numbers. And we are really, really uh, excited that the engagement is high. You know, when mm-hmm. it's not one of those groups where, you know, there's, there's a post or there's advertisements and then there's like one like. There's a lot of great conversations, a lot of great interactions, mm-hmm. and a ton of really juicy Uh, interviews, Facebook live interviews. We'd love to have you on one day as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But we've interviewed some great people. And and it's also not just focused on just polyamory, because we think there's so much to learn about conscious communication and sacred sexuality, Um, you know, whether it's a monogamous or or a non-monogamous relationship. So we take pride in really uh, not making it all about polyamory, but having that, mm-hmm. that those other pieces, I'd say that maybe half of our community is actually probably monogamous and the, the other mm-hmm. half mm-hmm. is a mix of like uh, polycurious uh, or just, you know, full on poly. Um, so yeah, the group has really been a lot of fun and it's, it's inspired us to, to take the next step and, and open up another um, division if you will called the open relationship academy so it's kind of an Mm -hmm. offshoot of Mm -hmm. uh, leveled up love and we're launching that next Mm -hmm. month on september 23rd and that can be found if you don't mind me plugging the website Mm -hmm. um, no of course not at Mm -hmm. uh, www.leveleduplove.com so that's where uh, all the information is and the wait list, uh, sign up, uh, all that good stuff. We've been working on this for months. And it Mm -hmm. is like I literally want to give up my business that I've been running for 26 (laughs) years and just dive into this thing and start this um, support group, this community uh, off Facebook. So there's a lot of confidentiality and everything that people are looking for for those that need that secrecy. And um, mm-hmm. so we're going off Facebook and we're building this academy for people to uh, get all the tools they need to really thrive in their open relationships.
0: Fabulous. And I hope it goes really, really well. Um, so maybe this would be a good time to share with us um, some of those tools, you know, one or two, like a preview to some of the, uh, the great tools and, you know, stuff that you've learned to navigate this lifestyle.
2: So I'm I'm the manager of the tools department for the most part. Caging <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs> Leah to the tools department. Thank you, struggle. <laughs> the struggle was real. Um,
2: so recently, this year has been a big exploration into shamanic medicine and uh-huh. the healing of trauma through somatic release, so through the body. And the more I dive in, the more we're learning that It can be easy to understand cognitively, like you said, how the philosophy works, and, oh, it makes so much sense, and yada, yada. And then again and again, your choices can be provoking you. And for me, they were provoking me on a physical level. So Mm -hmm. some of the tools uh, that we want to teach are tools we picked up at a sexual shamanic training we received from Mm an organization called ISTA, which stands Mm -hmm. for the International School of Temple Arts. And Mm -hmm. one of the foundations that they teach is emotional release tools to vibrate the entire emotional body so that Mm -hmm. anytime you're feeling something, you are taking control of how your emotions are being expressed by vibrating your whole body so that you're not taking things out on the people around you. And I found those tools Mm -hmm. absolutely critical moments they've been a game changer for navigating Mm -hmm. so that's just one example of many
1: (laughs) yeah that Mm -hmm. or um you know go ahead go ahead
2: i was gonna say
0: or taking them out on ourselves because my tendency is not Mm. to take them out on other people but to um fall back on old destructive self-destructive addictive behaviors to numb out my feelings so
2: (laughs) absolutely i hear that
1: Yeah, so so that, so, that, uh, that go ahead. The, those t- those sorry, those tools and also just getting um, working with um, a shaman and getting into um, some plant medicines and microdosing and so forth have also been game changers for mm-hmm. us in terms of managing some of the stuff. Like the combination, I think, of the plant medicines and the um, somatic um Healing exercises are all—it's just, just a really sweet combination where we saw a, a really great upward trend in terms of uh, overcoming some of the challenges.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is a lot about deprogramming, isn't it?
1: Yes. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. So, so, so Leah's been on this, on this, like, like, like you said, more, the feminine, uh, emotional, kind of like figuring out how to get underneath that. And then the tools that, that we're going to be structuring the program around, aside from that, are the more like, you know, guy, guy, the practical tools. Like we structured mm-hmm. the, the course, the main course, uh, to include five really big questions, right? And those are why. Why are you interested in open relating? What are your core human needs that you're leading with? Um, what are the drivers for you in terms of open relating? Are you seeking variety because you just want sexual variety? Are you seeking variety because you believe that it is a, uh, a vehicle for tremendous growth and healing? It's a vehicle to contribute and serve more people in your life. Um, What, what are your drivers? And by, by breaking down the why, um, that actually leads to the next question, which is what, what style mm-hmm. of non-monogamy is the best match for you? Because when you know, when you know, you're wise, you then can say, Oh, you know what? Well, for me, it's about maybe being a little open and, and, and being monogamish or maybe just being, um, in the lifestyle, um, or being a swinger. Whereas for some people, maybe interestingly enough, they want more safety and support through building a tribe like we have you know one of the Mm -hmm. biggest drivers for Leah and for me was hey it's much easier when you got three or four incomes in the house than two or one it's much easier when you are co-parenting with several people than just two Um, so you know again then you so we help people answer that question like what style the third question is Mm -hmm. who Um, who is genuinely ready willing and able to engage meaning people that we meet outside of us you know we often ask ourselves are they really ready if they've only done monogamy Um, the next question is when when is a good time because sometimes you have to sacrifice and and you have to wait you know and you have to be patient you have to have to slow things down if if there are big things happening in your life and then the fifth question is the big one which is how um mm-hmm. how do you succeed how do you thrive what are the tools what are the communication um blueprints that you might want to have what are the attachment uh, blueprints what are your love languages you know all those things um mm-hmm. all those frameworks are what we're going to probably have like that's probably going to be the biggest section of the course that fifth question mm-hmm. how do you do it mm-hmm. Um, So -hmm. that's essentially the the framework that we're using. And I'd be happy to dive into any of those if you'd like.
0: Beautiful. Well, I was just thinking, you said that like half the people in your um, uh, leveled up love community are monogamous. And um, you talked about that you've shy have done kind of the whole spectrum from monogamish to swinging to kitchen table polyamory and everything in between. So, um, and you mentioned like, the books, Mating, one of you mentioned Mating in Captivity, the Esther Perel book and she kind of aims her writing at monogamous people who have gotten bored and aren't having much sex anymore um, and then Sex at Dawn you know, even though he kind of makes a big argument for that we're kind of designed as people who love multiple others um, that he's not telling everyone they have to be polyamorous So Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about how your tools can also work for people that want to be monogamous or monogamish, kind of that whole gray area of, like, how do couples, especially I work a lot with mature couples who have been married for decades, and they're just hardly having sex at all, if any. It's very little. So, like, how can we bring the elements of open relationship into monogamy so that there's that excitement, because I always say that, you know, monogamy is like really secure and predictable and calm and polyamory is like kind of scary and edgy and exciting and passionate. So where do you find that middle ground?
2: That's a fantastic question. The thing that I'm always grateful for at the end of whatever I struggle with is that there's something really valuable that I've just learned that could teach anyone in relationships. So when people ask me, oh, how do you struggle with the jealousy in polyamory, I say it's just differently than I did in monogamy (laughs)
0: because Mm -hmm.
2: jealousy exists everywhere. It's not exclusive polyamory. Mm -hmm. It might come faster and harder But Mm -hmm. it's absolutely present, except that in polyamory, you can't really hide behind a sort of soapbox of saying, how could you do this? You betrayed me, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's consensual. So Mm -hmm. I think there is so much to learn from polyamory for monogamy, because Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes what I experienced with monogamy was everything was so great in the beginning, smooth sailing. But as soon as there were starting to have some cracks in the foundation, we didn't have the communication tools to discuss our parenting values, our financial values, the fact that we were attracted to other people. We brushed all of this stuff under the rug until eventually we feel that it drained out the polarity and the charge Mm -hmm. from our relationship. It just Mm -hmm. evaporated. And I think that the more vulnerable you stay with each other and you really show all your cards on the table, like tell your partner that you're attracted to a guy at work. Be honest about that. And I think that that polarity, that is that level of vulnerability for me, has kept our charge so strong um, that we're hotter for each other than ever. I don't know. That's my opinion.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: That's great. And how long
0: have you been together?
2: Three years and
1: four months? Something like that. Three years, four months. Wow. Mm
2: -hmm. like a lifetime.
1: It has.
0: (laughs) Feels longer than that, huh? Because you're just so well-matched. And a lot's happened.
1: (laughs) We are. And -hmm. to to dovetail on what what Leah said um, about... um, the monogamous gray area. Uh, One disclaimer, we don't advocate necessarily for polyamory, and we don't say that monogamy is uh, worse or better or anything like that. What we really want to be advocates for are just conscious conscious relationships. And Mm -hmm. conscious, to me, means aware, Uh, aware of those core human needs that we spoke about earlier, but one thing that I that 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 is interesting to me, I came up with this epiphany like literally a week ago, is that um, because somebody said to me, is actually my ex-wife. She said, you know, I like to dive deep in relationships. Like for me, you know, monogamy is where it's at because I get to dive deeper. And you know, reading between the lines, she's essentially saying that hey, you don't dive deep. You know, you're an inch deep and, and a mile wide because, you know, you're polyamorous. And I thought mm-hmm. about that. You know, I, I wasn't ever able to really truly answer and you know, own up to that because there is some truth, right? There is some disbursement of energy that does happen when you're uh, polyamorous. Mm-hmm. However, I came up with this 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 quick epiphany that in monogamous relationships, a lot of the time, I'd say even... 99% of the time, the standard relationship says, if you have an affinity towards another person, another man or woman, keep that to yourself. Do not upset the mm-hmm. apple cart. Do not share mm-hmm. that with your partner. You're asking for trouble if you even express an affinity towards somebody else. And there's also a piece of like deep rooted kind of like, well, is my partner partner cheating on me I mean no they Mm -hmm. would never but maybe I don't know you know so-and-so got blindsided by her husband and -and so-and-so got blindsided Mm -hmm. by her his wife or whatever so when Mm -hmm. you have those kind of like uh uh, I don't want to call them skeletons in your closet when you have those like unexpressed emotions feelings I think that actually blocks our ability to go deep with our partner because we're always Mm kind of like protected we always have armor Mm -hmm. and with Leah and I I feel that we're we dive deep like deep 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 Mm -hmm. and we have done a Mm -hmm. lot of healing work and we love it and I think a lot of that has to do with like the nakedness in in our in our communication like there's almost nothing Mm -hmm. we don't share with each other and Mm I believe that that helps us feel safer so that we can go deeper, right? Women can't, especially women, can't open up and go deep and heal when they're not feeling safe. And I think that right. a lack of a full expression in a relationship makes us all feel unsafe.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. you know, so, I think I, in, my health, in my health research, I've come across studies that show that Full expression is at the root of a lot of illness and cancer. Or lack of full expression. Uh, lack of, right, right. Lack of full expression is that root. And for us, you know, what I want to be able to do is go deep with my partner. But what this lifestyle has enabled me to do is go deep with myself. I've never been so deep with myself. <laughs> and it's my hope that when people go deep with themselves, They can go deeper with their partners so that they're consciously opting into their relationships so that they don't unconsciously opt out of them. That's where I think longevity lays.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. You know, when you talk about saying the things that most people leave unsaid, that that's leading to more hotness in your relationship, it's almost the opposite of what we're trained to think that we have to Mm -hmm. have some mystery, (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I often say, it's not your partner's job to keep you from feeling jealous. And that's a radical statement to most
1: people. Mm.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's not your partner's (laughs) job to keep you from feeling jealous. I love that. Absolutely. And and what we believe is that no feelings should be censored. You should have full freedom Uh to feel whatever you feel but it's the way that you act and the way you collaborate with your partner to work through that. If you have a partner who is creating a feeling for you that what you're feeling isn't accepted, that something's wrong Mm -hmm. with you, I don't Mm -hmm. know that that's going to be healthy in the long run.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, exactly.
2: Um, And so
0: you talk, I'm going to, Put you on the spot here a little bit as relationship coaches and challenge you a little bit here. <laughs> just a warning um, so early on, Leah talked about there's no such thing as being too needy or bad needs um, there's just a lack of the right people to meet your needs, something like that you said um, so mm-hmm. what I've seen in myself in my you know lifetime of figuring out how to what kind of relationships I want and with my clients is that so many of us have a pattern of, you know, our picker being broken, like choosing people that won't meet our needs and then suffering and complaining about it and blaming the other person. Um, You know, there was the book back in the eighties called women who love too much about women that just keep choosing partners that aren't going to meet their needs and then saying all men are emotionally unavailable. Right. (laughs) So there's a pattern so many people have of like falling in love with someone who's not ever going to be able to give them what they want. So how do you help people like that?
2: Oh, my gosh. I have an amazing answer (laughs) for this, I think. Oh, good. (laughs) So (laughs) the book Attached um, was a real turning point for me when I realized about the, the neediness. And what it talked about were, so in a nutshell, there are four main attachment patterns. There is secure, which is in the middle, which is you're confident your partner will get your needs met, and you want intimacy with the person. Uh If you're anxious, you tend to want to be close to them as much as possible. You love intimacy, but when they're not available to you, it's very challenging. And then on the other side of the insecure spectrum is avoidance, where Uh they actually want intimacy, but the act of it repels them. Because there's a part of them that doesn't want to be responsible for anyone else's needs and other people's needs push them away. So he talked about a dynamic called the anxious avoidant trap where Uh anxious people can tend to be drawn to avoidance. There's a weird Uh cyclical feeding of each other's uh, attachment patterns that elevates Uh and suppresses their attachment systems where they get caught in a loop where the anxious person tries to get close, the avoidant person pushes them away, they rupture, they repair, and that feels like love and passion. But in reality, it's a very unproductive cycle. So that is the exact pattern that I used to be caught in with my partners. I tended to be drawn to avoidant people. So once I learned that pattern, I knew the exact characteristics of what to avoid what not to look mm-hmm. for and it made me realize that in times where i thought that shy was maybe not in as in love with me as i was with him it was simply because he was acting secure and i didn't identify mm-hmm. that as love oh. so it became the most valuable goggles for evaluating new partners essentially mm-hmm. excellent so what would you recommend to somebody that's
0: starting to notice, like, oh, once again, I'm choosing somebody who's avoidant, um, how do they find <laughs> someone who's attached? How do they even feel attracted to someone if they're stuck in that pattern?
1: Well, I think that that, that there's, there's something to be said about um, – by the way, this is Shine, in case you can't recognize <laughs> the difference between our voices. <laughs> Thank you. I think that, that, that sometimes um, – I've, I've learned that it's okay to have uh, to make mistakes and it's okay to celebrate um, transitions instead of like beating yourself up that you've picked the wrong person. Um, I've quote unquote picked a lot of people that at first glance seemed really interested and capable and ready, willing, and able, but they weren't. And I just have learned over time to just be a little bit braver in the process of transitioning Mm -hmm. from relationships that don't serve and don't match. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that uh, as opposed to kind of being feeling stuck or scared Mm -hmm. to transition Mm -hmm. Too too many people celebrate longevity and they don't celebrate transitions. And I think our society Mm -hmm. needs a little bit more conscious uncoupling, even if it's not conscious on one side, right? Like, just be conscious mm-hmm. of what, how you match with people, and, and it's okay to make some bad picks because you get to learn. That's the whole point. I actually want to te- teach my kids that. I want them to celebrate, especially in the early stages, like in their teens and 20s, to just celebrate these transitions, and this is a journey of learning about yourself. So when you get a little bit older and you want to have a family, uh, your picker is uh, is a lot stronger. hmm
0: yeah, and, I, you know, we often joke that polyamorous people don't break up, they transition. <laughs> but um, yes. I've gotten so much better than that with life experience, where I truly do have people who may not be my lover anymore, but who I still love and who is in my life as, yes. as a, a life partner, a family member, um, because they didn't work as a sexual partner, or maybe they didn't work as someone I live with, but we still like to play sexually from time to time. So to have those boundaries mm-hmm. with yourself where you can recognize like, okay, this person isn't meeting mm-hmm. this particular need, but they can still be in my life in this way. It's not that all mm-hmm. or nothing. This one person has to meet my every need or else you're out. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I like that more conscious uncoupling. <laughs>
1: Um, or you and, know what we came up with thinking, a, with, with, yeah, a, with a new one recently that was um, sorry I I'm just so excited to talk to you because it's like mm-hmm. talking to our own kind <laughs> our own tribe totally. um, I came I came up with a funny new one called conscious instead of conscious uncoupling conscious realigning so mm-hmm. you know one part one partner um, and I just realized that you know something was missing in a, in, a, in in, in one of the jars in our relationship just wasn't getting filling back up and we just mm-hmm. honored it and we wanted to keep what was working and just realign what wasn't working, maybe give each other more mm-hmm. freedom, maybe take off the primary label for a while and see how that works. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, like really not, it doesn't have to be, you know, sticking together or completely uncoupling. Sometimes there, there's um, some sweet nuances you can dive into to make things work for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And so with the little bit of time we have left, I want to explore the topic of asking for what you want. It's such a big mm. thing, especially for women to, first of all, know what the hell we want, <laughs> and then actually oh, be able gosh. to ask for it. And, you know, I am I just turned 59, and I feel like I'm just finally oh, wow. like, getting pretty good at it, you know, like, I'm like, wow, right? I'm killing yeah. it with like, And I was always afraid that if I asked real specifically for what I want, that it wouldn't be as fun or as hot or as meaningful. But the opposite is true. Like, wow, now I'm really getting what I want, and it's awesome. (laughs) So can you talk about your experience with that and how you help your clients with that?
2: So I feel like attachment is the theme of the night. Um, One of the values of that book as well was understanding how to ask For what you need. Now, for me, Uh I'm an independent, modern, strong (laughs) uh, businesswoman. So, asking for help is challenging for me. Uh Um, And in my past experiences, when I would be vulnerable and asking for help, it wasn't always met. So, when Shine and I went through this understanding that I wasn't asking for what I needed, he gave me the floor. He said, I, I want you to ask for anything it, within reason. I'll do the best that I can, but I want you to be oh. able to ask for anything. And I feel the same mm-hmm. way towards him. Nothing is off mm-hmm. the table to ask. And mm-hmm. it took a long time to swallow the pride and be like, Oh, I need to show all the cards. And really like sometimes it, because you feel silly because you feel like it's feeling jealous or whatnot, but There were Mm -hmm. times where I thought to myself, if I could ask for anything right now, like if I had it my way, without telling him no to whatever experience he was having, what would I need? And sometimes it was as simple as having a hug alone and an eye gaze and having him say, I love you. And Mm -hmm. that would like melt everything away. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But asking for something that simple was hard and when I asked him mm-hmm. finally he said is that all you need like <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that all day every day you know okay. So, <laughs> just think if you had it your way what would you want mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. beautiful um, so we just have a
0: couple minutes left uh, and I want you to repeat um, for people how they can reach you and your websites and stuff but um in the last minute here are there any final pearls of wisdom you'd
1: like to share um, yeah, so I think that the biggest one that I didn't get to dive into is just uh, teaching Spark, and, um, it's funny cause your last name is Spark, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right. and Spark essentially is, um, is an acronym S-P-A-R, but a C at the end. It stands mm-hmm. for, uh, essentially a method that has five steps and that can be found at, um, sparkmethod.com. S-P-A-R-C method.com. So we have a nice little, Mm -hmm. you know, free 17-minute tutorial. Um, We Mm -hmm. have our group on Facebook called Leveled Up Love. That's easy to find if you just do a search of the groups on Facebook. Um, That's our community of 2,600 members from over 85 countries talking about Sacred Sexuality, Conscious Communication for Relationships by Design. And mm-hmm. um, and the offshoot of that Facebook group uh, is called the Open Relationship Academy. It's our passion project mm-hmm. that we've been working on for months. It'll be launching September 23rd. All the information is at leveleduplove.com. <laughs> I think I did a good job. For did sure. I miss anything? Spot on. Yeah. All right sweet. Thorough. Okay,
0: great. Well, thank you so much to both of you, and I wish you all the best with your new project and with your beautiful um, triad relationship and all your other relationships. It was really nice getting to know you. Thank you so much for your sharing your wisdom with all of us.
1: Mm, thank you so much for having us.
0: We really enjoyed it. Yes. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. Bye.